Happy Canada Day from an American. What's that? Or two. Or two, yeah, there's a few of us here. All right, or two, or three, or whatever. Where two or three are gathered, right? Uh, that's right. I'm sorry, mixing metaphors there. Really glad to uh, be with you this uh, this morning. I, I, just, I have to share just something. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm the pastor at, at our church uh, in Nelson. And uh, ever since uh, Jason has come here, he's been very selfish about the pulpit here. And uh, so uh, I don't get to come out here very often. And he's so selfish, in fact, that he comes on his vacation just to make sure I don't mess things up <laughs> for him. It's like... It's like, okay, you're here? Great. You know, and I can't be honest about anything. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, it's, it's a privilege, uh, joy, and an honor to be asked to come here. So thanks, Jason, for um, inviting me. Um, when I was growing up, I knew very few Canadians. Uh, I had relatives who lived outside of Edmonton in, in Camrose. I don't know if you know Camrose, Alberta. They were the Canadian people. And then I went to Africa, and I met some other Canadians, and they were missionaries to Zaire. And uh, last night, I'm sitting at uh, the uh, Angus Buchan uh, uh, crusade in Nelson. All of a sudden, this lady comes up to me, and she goes, Are you Arden Gustafson? Uh, which I'm always tempted there to go, Oh, here's my chance. They know um, I'm, Ash- I'm Jason Ashley. Uh, I really want to be him, you know. Uh, you always have this, this, this temptation. And this person, were you uh, a short-term missionary to Zaire? Okay, busted, you know. I go, yes. Do you remember who I am? Which is the worst thing you can ask a guy in his 50s. Okay, you're like, oh, man, the hard drive just is rusty in that corner. And it ended up being... Uh, some dear uh, missionary friends who I haven't seen in uh, 30 years. And our Gene and Lori here, they're there. Gene and Lori Bradford, if you get a chance, would you just raise your hands? Would you do me the favor of, before you leave today, uh, uh, say hi to them. Uh, they, are missionary, they were missionaries in, in Zaire, uh, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not even going to go ask when you were, whatever like that, but they live in Midway now, and they were here attending, had come from Midway to attend the, uh, the Angus Bucking Crusade, and uh, she came up, and then Jean came up. I, I think Jean was reluctant to go, yeah, I know Arden, I really, we don't need, we don't need to go say hi. But uh, Lori certainly was there. But you know, it's really, it's, it's neat uh, when we fellowship together. The other thing I want to thank you is, like, I haven't heard a Ray Bolt song in a long time that video. And, and, and my first reaction, ah, Ray Bolson, man, how old is that? And I'm here, I'm, I mean, I'm almost in tears going, what a powerful song. How little we consider to the acts of graciousness, the acts of obedience that we uh, perform for God. Um, this morning, I want to I share with you, and, and I, I, I learned a secret. I've had people come to Nelson and say, Jason's amazing, which is, okay, great, he's amazing, I know, I want to be him. Do you know he memorizes his sermons? I'm 53, I don't do that anymore. 
And I see they've got a screen on the back here. How is it to memorize? And he's up this morning doing this call to worship, looking heavenly like this. Magic! He's reading it! Busted. How many have your Bibles today? Raise your hands if you have your Bibles. Those of you that aren't raising your hands, are you embarrassed? Good. I don't want to embarrass you, but I think you need to understand uh, it's a powerful, powerful book that we have been given a chance to uh, carry to church. And I'm not going to be heavy on on um, passages from Scripture today, but I, I do want to uh, spend some time asking you a couple of questions. And, and as a bit of a confessional, um, I've been wrestling with this a lot lately, what I'm going to be sharing with you this morning. In fact, I shared the bones of this sermon uh, I shared last week, and I've kind of dwelt on it a little bit better. So you get, you get round two, which is always better. Um, but I just want to share with you a couple of things. Does it come up for me too, perchance? No, it doesn't. These things don't work for me. I can press these things a million times. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to get one of these in, in Nelson. I want you to read this question, and I want to ask you this question. I want to start with this question. What would you be willing to give up in your life in order to have the life God wants for you? What would you be willing to give up in order to have the life that God wants for you? A couple of things that that might bring to mind. One of them might be, what, I'm not living the life that God wants for me? That could be one of the questions. The other thing might be, is God always about sacrifice? See, that question, and in fact, you may want to write it down. It may be something for you to dwell on this week as as you go about your life. But I want to spend some time kind of unpacking that. How many of us, and I, and I just really want to be honest with you, I know we pray, we ask God's will in our lives, but truly, 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 if we examined our lives, and I have to examine my life too, how many of us have truly allowed God to direct our paths? Versus living into what we think we would like our life to be and then saying, God, please bless this life that I have chosen for myself. See, I honestly believe that, that as Christians, and especially in North American Christians, and I know we pick on North American Christians a lot, but because we're North American pick Christians, we deserve to be picked on a bit. And I don't think it's any different. This question would also be one to ask our Congolese brothers and sisters as well. But I, I want to confess to this. I have a deep longing for more. I have a deep longing for more. To discard what is so easy in this life to elevate to great and instead to say, God, what is it you want from me? I have a deep, deep longing for more. That said, I also have a deep, deep 
love of comfort and security and the good things in this life. So I'm, I'm struggling with this because that's a tension that I will live with probably all my life, but I want to always be asking this question, what would I be willing to give up in order to have the life that God has in store for me? You see, if I examine my life, there's an awful lot of good things that I have in my life. A lot of good things. But there's a lot of good things, which because we were created for greatness. You were created for greatness in God's kingdom. And we're going to look at that in a little bit. But we so often take that which is good in this world, and we focus so much on it. Guess what space it begins to take in our lives? Great. We take good, and we elevate it to great, and there's no longer any room for God's greatness. Does that make sense? Anybody asleep yet? And the reason I ask that is because I do not want to be here saying, uh, okay, we're, none of us are any good, but the truth is none of us are. Good or great. There's a book out, came out about 15 years ago by Tom Collins. It's about business called Good to Great. Anybody heard of that? It was pretty famous in business circles. How to take a good company and make it great. I want to say that's not what this is about. This is not good to great. This is good or great. You have the choice. The choice that you have in your life is not good to great. It is not how to take your good life and make it great. It is are you choosing a good life or are you choosing a great life? Because there is so much good But when we focus on good, when we elevate good to great, there's no more room for the greatness of God in our lives. The disciples uh, struggled with this. Um, There were three disciples, James, John, and Paul, or Peter, sorry, who were taken with Jesus up to the top of a mountain. And at that point, Jesus was changed. The transfiguration, that's the word we use for it in the, in the Bible. But really what it was is his physical nature was changed. His clothing was changed to bright white. And suddenly here he is talking to Moses and Elijah. And these, these three common men were watching this and they're going, this is amazing. We should build some temples here. We should build some altars here to remember this. But Jesus says, okay, you got a glimpse of great. Now let's go and do great. So they come down off the mountain. And while they're going to Capernaum in Mark, if you've got your Bibles, open this up because we'll be referring back to this. They came to Capernaum. Came down off the mountain. The whole disciples are walking to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, after they had got there, he asked them, what were you arguing about? Not what you were discussing. What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet on the way because they had argued about who was the greatest. They're acting like a bunch of kids. What are you guys arguing about? Nothing. You know, I mean, how long have they been with Jesus? How long have they been told, I am the Son of God? How long had they been around him where they knew that he knew their thoughts? And yet, they refused to believe it. Argued about who was greatest. And 
sitting them down, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first, or the greatest, depending on what your translation of the Bible is, same word, anyone who wants to be first, anybody who wants to be greatest, must be the least, the last, and the, least, and the servant of all. And then he did something amazing. He took a little child. I love this imagery. I'm, I, I'm a visual thinker. Things have to make sense spatially and visually to me. And I, and I had not really seen this before. He took a little child and he placed that child among them. Here they are in this house. Thirteen guys. Long, long road. Tired. And the first thing Jesus do, does is he says, what were you thinking about? What were we talking about? Uh, nothing. And then he takes a child and he sits them right in front of them. Now my image of this, what I did, it's like, how long did that child sit in the middle of these disciples? While they pondered, what's Jesus doing with this little child? Maybe the child is uh, uh, crying. Maybe the child is making eyes at them. Maybe the, the child needs a diaper change. I don't know. But Jesus took that which made them uncomfortable and put it in the middle of them and says, okay, ponder this for a while. Because, you know, that's what Jesus does. He, he brings into our minds the, the uncomfortable, the, the, uh, the facts about a place like Haiti or the facts about a place like Congo or the facts about uh, abusive relationships or the facts. And he places them in the midst of us and says, so now what are you going to do about them? You're my plan for the redemption of this world. I forgive sins, but you, you have been chosen for greatness. And that greatness is how you respond to the little child, the broken family, the need around the world, the need of your neighbor, being the father to the fatherless, the cup of cold water to the traveler. And then he says this, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. See, there's so much good in this world. There's so much good, but we spend so much time arguing good versus good that we miss out on great. I want to just share with you a, a couple of things. Um, that just reminded me of this in the last couple of weeks. The uh, Evangelical Covenant Church of North America met in Irvine, California this uh, a week ago, and uh, they celebrated certain things, and, and one of the things they celebrated was uh, a couple from Ravenswood Covenant Church in Chicago. Anybody have heard of that little church on the north side of Chicago? Uh, Marsh and I attended there a little bit. I, I attended there when I was a student at North Park, and... Um, there was this couple by the name of Roger and Joanne Olson. If you don't get the Covenant uh, Newswire, you should do that because there's a lot of great things that our tribe does that you need to be aware of. But uh, they were being 
awarded, uh, given an award and a thanks and a praise to God for what they had done. In the 1960s, when they were uh, newlyweds, uh, and, and here's another thing that they should be given an award for. This is the only church they've ever attended as adults. Man, I'd love to give an award for that. In our consumeristic North American, I'm taking a little bit of diversion here, to commit to a family and to stay with a family. To commit to a family and to stay with a family. Okay, that's an aside. Let's go back to the story. The Olsons started in the 1960s in Awana's children's program. You know the Awana's program? It's kind of a, like a Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, but a Christian perspective. And they started this in the 1960s. Guess who's still running that program? The Olsons. They were rewarded, or uh, they were given this award as a thanks for your faithfulness. For how long is that? Getting close to 50 years. I'm thinking that they deserve to take a break. I've done my time. I've served. It's time for a new generation. Don't cut it. I'm an empty nester. It's time for me to be able to go and enjoy life. Or is it? You want a good life? Follow the ways of the world. Take your cues from the ways of the world. Get your affirmation from the world. You want a great life? Seek God's will. Seek His plan for your life, not the world's. I guarantee you, if you want permission in your life to enjoy good, the world is so ready to give you permission. You want a great life? You seek after God's will and God's will alone. You look at the least of these and you say, I have been given a charge to serve. We need to be the example in this world for greatness. Not for prideful greatness, but for consistent following of Christ's call in our lives to greatness. He says, you want to be great? Learn to serve. Learn to serve, not with an end in mind going, oh, if I can just make it to Freedom 55. Whoever came up with that, I would like to smack them alongside the head. Freedom 55 is the worst thing I've ever heard of. You know why? Because it gives us permission to say, I'm done. The golden brass ring is retirement at age 55. Okay, maybe 60. Okay, maybe 65. But someday, that's what it is. Folks, there's no retirement in the Bible. Oh, but you don't know my life. I've given so much. Oh, give me a break. Is there a little child? Is there a brokenness that you see in your life? Is there a need that needs to be met that you have the means to do this? Don't brag about how great your life is because of all you've done. The ability that God has given you to make money, the ability that God has given you to do something good in this world has also the ability for you to do something great. And if you choose not to do something great, guess what? You are in disobedience. Plain and simple. See, my church is in Nelson. I can get away with this. If Jason did this, there'd be a big meeting after church. Good, 
or great. Not good too great, good or great. You choose. So here's the other question. What are the good things in your life that are keeping you from doing great things? There's a lot of good things. You know one of the great ones that, or the good ones that I hear a lot of in Nelson? This is just the time for me to focus on my family. This is our family time. Can I talk about family for a little bit? What are your family, if you've got little kids, what do your kids need to see? Don't let them see good, let them see great. I'm going to brag on my kids a little bit. I've got two kids. I've got a son who's coming back from Australia in less than two weeks. I'm about ready to pee my pants. I'm so excited, okay? Sorry, did I say that in church? Sorry. I'm so excited. But you know what? I no longer am going to call him John Eric, which I've called him for 19 years. He is now John. He spent a year at... Uh, a Bible training school. He has come home. He's coming home. A different man. He went away as a, a young, young man. He's coming home as a man. And he wants to serve. He wants to serve. There are things coming out of his mouth that I'm going... Is that flesh of my flesh, loin of my loin, or whatever you want to call it? Where did that come from? You know where it comes from? Marsh and I made a commitment a long time ago. God first, marriage second, family third, and no thing in this world will get in the way of that. Oh, have we done it all perfectly? Not at all. But we've been very honest with our kids when things have been tough. We've been very honest with our kids when we've had to sacrifice. We've been very honest with our kids when we've said, sorry, Sunday mornings is church. No exceptions. We're never going to be rich. In the eyes of this world, we, be, we may not even hit good. <laughs> but in the eyes of God, we always aim for great. My son went away, someone who, who played uh, guitar kind of in the background. Once in a while, he'd step up to the microphone, but not very much. He was, said, you are a leader, now lead. And he spent the last semester being the leader of the worship team at this college. He gave one of the student commencement addresses because he has been identified as a leader. He is a man of God. Men? What do you want for your boys if you've got boys? You want them to be men of God. How do you do that? By being one yourself. I got a little Angus bucking in me too after last night too, so... But what are the good things in your life? There are a lot of good things. Believe me, there are so many good things. But so many times we get preoccupied with the good that we miss the great. And then we argue about, is this good or is this gooder? Which one's gooder? Ford or Chevy? 
Apple or PC? See, we spend our days and our lives arguing about good or gooder, and God saying, please stop it and think about what's great. Focus first on my kingdom and my purposes and my plan for your life. What is it in your life that is good that is keeping you from experiencing a great life? And believe me, there's a lot of good. And believe me, you will find ample permission in this world to pursue good. There will always be somebody who, for whatever reason, is going to say, it's good enough. Um, How many have heard of another initiative of the covenant called um, uh, the Congo Kids in the Covenant? Or what is it? Yeah. Covenant Kids in Congo. Sorry, I should know this. I'm on that. I should know that. Covenant Kids in Congo. It's it's a, a partnership that our denomination, by the way, it's the first time that World Vision, if you've heard of World Vision, has ever partnered with a denomination. First time ever. And you know why? World Vision made a decision here a couple years ago. We need to go to the poorest of the poor. And you know where they found that to be? Out of 187 countries in the world, on human index of uh, human development, 187th is the Congo. When you get to the Congo, you'll find that the most remote corner of the Congo is the Ubangi, which is where I was at, which is where the Bradfords were at. And guess who's already there? your brothers and sisters in the covenant. Been there for 75 years. We celebrate 75 years in the Congo next month, as a matter of fact. Anyway, there's just this huge initiative being started, and we're going to be a part of it. It's not trying to be in competition with with other aid type of things that you guys are already doing. It's just say, can we please look at great? Can we look at this and see how we can be a part of this? Anyway, there's a church in California who... uh, uh, gave a check. The, the program hasn't even been rolled out, and they gave a check to Gary Walters, our denominational presence, or president. You know how much the check was for? One million dollars. It's a church just a little bit bigger than us. I'm kidding. It's very big. It's a huge church, okay? Just, <laughs> yeah. A million dollars. But they said, what are we willing to give up that is good so that we can do something that is great? What are we willing to give up in our lives that is good so that we can do something that is great? And there's this girl, and this is the story that just blew me away. She's a high school girl, lives in California. What's the, what's the most thing, you know, besides going to the mall, it'd be to be able to drive to the mall. She gave up her car. Her parents are probably going to buy her a car. She had money to buy a car. She says, instead of buying a car, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sponsor children. How many children do you suppose she's sponsoring as a high school girl? Fourteen. At $40 a month. Not only praise the Lord, but am I embarrassed? Yeah, okay, we'll do one or two. Might get in the way of my mortgage. Might get in the way of my boat. Might get in the way of my hobbies. Might get... Folks, if we're not willing to confront good, we will never experience great. How much time do I have? Because I go about an hour and a half at Nelson. They love me there. Why don't you go to Belfort? We need a break. 
couple of things. Everyone is called to great. Every believer, and by everyone, I'm talking about those called to Christ or called to great. You are called to great. Don't make this about somebody else. Don't make this about I have nothing to give. You know what Christ says? You got a cup of cold water. It's for you to give and to share. It doesn't matter what you have. It is to be shared. Nobody can take themselves out of this game. Nobody is either too poor or too rich. But this great is motivated by love. We're a great commandment church. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Do you know what that really means? Stinginess is good. Generosity is great. Sacrificial giving is great. I'm not saying many of you aren't. Please don't hear that. What I want to do is it needs to be motivated by love. If it's motivated by guilt or a lousy preacher making you feel bad, don't do it. Do you love God? What did Jesus say to Peter? Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. It's almost as though Peter, do you really, really love me? Then be about the work that I've called you to. Be great. The nature of great is sacrifice. What sacrifice? What what gift at the temple was was more impressive? The the rich person who gave much in the eyes of the world or the widow who gave two mites, two pennies. We know that story. Can I just tell you this? If you're not giving sacrificially, you'll never experience great. I think one of the greatest tragedies of our North American church culture is that we say for those who can afford much, 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 much more, 10% is enough. You're doing pretty good. Honestly, the nature of great is sacrifice. And if we're not giving sacrificially, or if our life is so full of good that we can't give sacrificially, we need to give something up. And the destroyer of great is good. Luke 9.23, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and follow me. But first it says this, take up your cross daily. A little farther down in Luke, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replies, foxes have dens and birds have nests. And that's good. You want to follow me? You will not have a place to lay your head. He said to another man, he comes, I want you to follow me. Oh, but Lord, please, let me go back and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury the dead. That's good. But great means that you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. The destroyer of great is good. What defines you? What do you want to define you? The world or the kingdom? 
kingdom of God. If you're willing to measure your commitment, your following, your commitment, your, your depth of love of God, then understand the greatest is what we celebrate here at the table. I think we diminish this when we focus on good. But we celebrate this when we seek great. Great.